Welcome to the Stephen and Arjun's Football Podcast, where they discuss anything football, everything football. This podcast is brought to you by Starshot Bakery and Misuboy SG. Craving for party treats like cakes and cookies in Subang Jaya? Visit starshot.bakery on Instagram. Or would you like tiramisu in Singapore? Visit misuboy.sg on Instagram as well. Very good day and welcome to another episode of the Steven Arjun Football Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Misuboy SG and Starshot Bakery. Listeners, we know that we have been away for almost a month or two. Uh, we took a break in December, uh, missed a wedding, and also um, a lot of personal commitment uh, with Arjun, Uday, and myself as well. And, and now we're back. And today, our topic is to talk about um, the, a, a little bit of look, looking back uh, the past two months, one or two months since we left off the podcast of the uh, fortunes of the club, um, namely for MU, um, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Manchester City. And also, uh, we will also do a little bit of um, Champions League prediction ahead of the knockout stages um, next month. Um, first of first of all, welcome back my guest for today's um, podcast, my co-host firstly, Arjun. Arjun, welcome back. Thanks, Stephen. Good to be back after a long, long month. <laughs> yeah, we had a good break. Um, Uday, welcome back as well. Hi, thank you. It's, congratulations in the wedding, by the way. Um, happy New Year to all the listeners and Happy New Year to both of you. And uh, yeah, I guess it's such a long break. Great to be back after the hiatus. Good to be talking about football again. All right, um, let us uh, move straight into our, our discussion for today. So, of course, we see a lot of changes uh, throughout the uh, Premier League table since November. You know, Previously, we have Chelsea in the first place, Liverpool second, City third, and then we have West Ham in the fourth. Uh, even though West Ham still didn't drop, drop off much, they're now fifth. Chelsea and Liverpool are still in the top four. But then we have Arsenal barging into the top four, breaking into the top four. And also City opening up a 10 points gap uh, uh, at the top of the table. Um, I want to first talk about um, MU, of course, with Ude <laughs> and uh, Arsenal as well. <laughs> Uh, you know, because MU fans are here, so let, let, let us let us talk more about MU uh, as a club and what you see. Um, we haven't go in depth about Ralph Rennick, you know, since he joined because I remember when we left off, he just joined the club and then like we uh, we haven't seen much about him. But now that we have about a month or so with Rennick uh, as MU's caretaker manager, uh, Uday, what are your thoughts and what, what do you see differently, you know? How did he play differently compared to when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was manager? Good question, Steven. Uh, I, I mean, it's just been about a month or so since he's joined. Uh, do I see any changes? Um, the change of system, uh, the change of formation is interesting. Uh, 4 2 2 if I'm not mistaken, that's what, it, that's what he's playing right now. Um, him at least being able to drop players which Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wasn't able to drop. Him dropping Bruno Fernandes is one thing. Um, uh, the, him dropping even Rashford was another good thing that he did as well. Um, I, I can't really say he's made positive changes, but uh, things in United still look very sour and everything. 
is he the right man moving forward? Uh, he's only given here as a temporary uh, stint, so I really cannot give an assessment uh, with what he's doing. It's interesting to see him there. Um, I, I always assumed that he would have been a combination of uh, Jurgen Klopp and uh, as well as Thomas Tuchel, but clearly he's not. He looks like a more expensive uh, more expensive uh, what's the, Roy Hodgson, more expensive Roy Hodgson. You know, it looks like a more German Roy Hodgson. The way he plays, very defensively organized, not very good at the attacks and whatnot. So that's my assessment of Ralph Ragnick. Okay, thanks, Uday. Um, I just maybe you can enlighten us about this four-two-two-two tactic. Like, uh, I think it's the first time I've seen it so far, uh, like, 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 since, you know, I started watching football. Does it make the formation more narrower, that they are more uh, focused on the middle of the park compared to the width? What are your thoughts on this formation? Yeah, so, um, I mean, first I'll address uh, how Ralph, I think, Ragnick has done. So, when he first took over, the first match was against Crystal Palace, where United won 1-0. And I saw a lot of good things in the match. Immediately, United were pressing very high up. Uh, I think for the match, he dropped both Juan Pisaka and Shaw. He used Dalo and Teles. And yeah, he introduced the 4-2-2-2 formation with McTom and Fred sitting at the base and uh, Bruno Fernandes and Jaden Sancho just ahead and Ronaldo and Rashford ahead of them. And of course, all United fans were wondering what the hell kind of formation is this? But it, it looked to work because I think it sort of took uh, the opponents by surprise as well. Because nobody has really seen this kind of formation in the Premier League, or at least maybe in a long, long time. So I think it worked pretty well initially. Or maybe it's also because um, you know every time a club changes manager, you you say there's there's the honeymoon period or the new manager effect. They played really well, but that only lasted for one game. Everything seemed to not go right after that. Uh, I really don't know what happened because that one game seemed to show a lot of promise. But I think, as you mentioned, it's a very valid point, and it was brought up by Bruno Large as well in uh, United's recent one-nil defeat to Wolves. Uh, he mentioned that it was so easy to mm. play United off the park, and it was so obvious in the first half that uh, they had the level of control that Man City usually has against uh, opposition at Old Trafford. So it was very clear wow. because it was very narrow, and the two fullbacks were struggling uh, because as soon as they are pressed, they just bring it to the wide areas. And then when this uh, in this 4 2 formation, when plays go to the wide areas, then the middle is exposed. Uh, so the formation just yeah, yeah. seem to be... On top of that, players seem to be a bit confused, like what is their role? Uh, it seemed that in this formation, the objective was to give certain players some freedom to move to areas that they wanted. Uh, but it just seems like it's not working right now. And of course, uh, when something's not working, it can be either down to the players or the manager. Given the mm. reputation of Ralph Ragnick, uh, I wouldn't really expect this. I would expect something really, uh, much better than this. Uh, and the players are all world-class players as well. So I don't really understand what is the problem which is going on. Um, of course, there are news reports saying it's the culture that's uh, wrong and united. Uh, certain players having cliques and... Uh, maybe they're not uh, able to work at this level of uh, technical ability that Redmi has. So I can't pinpoint a problem, but I don't think it's entirely Redmi's fault, to be honest. Um, because I still believe in his ability. Uh, he, he has mentored mm. 
uh, coaches like Jurgen Klopp and Tuchel, who ultimately became very successful, or are still very successful. So I still believe in his ability. So I, I am starting to question the player's commitment, to be honest. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think mean, I have a really good point yeah. in regards to the players. Yeah, sorry. Um, what I wanted to say was, uh, I just brought up a really good point with regards to the commitment of the players. There are a lot of players that with big egos there that most probably are having an influence on the other players as well. Um, people think maybe they, they can't fit the system or they can't do anything. And that definitely plays a big part. Um, I was listening to the Guardian podcast uh, just now, uh, sometime in the evening today, and they were indicating that that uh, quite a number of issues is, of course, one maybe the manager, but the other underlying issue is the players themselves who have a lot of power. Uh, they didn't specify which player it is, but I mean, we can kind of guess who it is most probably. Um, so that's that's a very valid point that Arju brought up right now. So it, it seems to me that um, the signing of Ronaldo eventually ultimately bring more problems than solutions. Yeah, uh, clearly. I mean, <laughs> Arjun, go ahead. Yeah, I definitely agree uh, with that. I mean, of course, uh, I think I mentioned this before. They have mentioned this before as well that I don't blame Ronaldo for that. Uh, that is who he is. That is who has, he has been. But yeah, it does mm. seem in hindsight that it was the wrong decision. Um, because it seems like uh, a lot of other players, from what I can see in the matches now, uh, it seems that everyone uh, seems to have to find him in every attack. Uh, it seems like they can't pass to anyone else. It seems that every attack has to end up with him. It feels like they have that pressure. And that is also impacting the attacking freedom. Uh, so I think that is one big problem. And of course, the second big problem is Bruno Fernandes. Maybe the feeling of him not being the biggest star in the team anymore, uh, that could be impacting mm. his game. Um, I'm not too sure. So, yeah, I, I think I think more so the pressure of having to pass to Ronaldo at, in every single attack is probably getting to them. And that's why they are being unable to express themselves. Well, that could be one of the biggest problems. Mm. Mm, yeah. But to me, if... Uh, if I'm Bruno Fernandez, I'll feel that like, hey, Ronaldo is actually, you know, also a Portuguese, you know, my from my same country. I wouldn't feel that threatened, threatened, uh, like, you know, threatened by him, like, you know, you know what I mean? After all, it is Ronaldo. But I get what you mean, I did like, you expected Ronnie to come in as a, then you expected the playing style to change to more of a Gurgen pressing something like that. Like how Klopp is doing now. Uh, when I he mean, first joined Liverpool. I, I mean, not just Gurgen pressing. I didn't expect uh, Gurgen pressing straight away, but uh, I expected some... Uh, more of tactics, like a clear game plan at least, something which was lacking until Ole's uh, final half season or even a whole season. So, but I still can't see it. Uh, except yes, we can say that we are maybe defensively a bit more solid, but that's about it. Uh, beyond that, it's not has it hasn't done anything. You know what's the okay. disappointing thing about all this is that um, managers like Jurgen Klopp in the first season. So, if I'm not mistaken, he finished seventh. Managers yeah, like Pep finished fourth in his first season. Yeah. And Ralph Ragnick doesn't have at least that and to able to con- he can't continue after that. So it's is this is a frustrating thing about this. If we had signed him for a long term, at least three years and everything, I think players are just not interested to play with him because knowing that he will not be the manager full time. 
But Good when point. Jurgen Klopp was there, when Pep Guardiola was there, there was a plan. They signed him for a number of years, and they know the players are there. Like I have to follow the manager says, or else I won't be playing uh, in this club anymore. Within six months, uh, wraps out, and then it's another guy altogether. So they need to readjust it all to, um, yeah. to the new system again. Hey, good point, Udi. Actually, this point also we brought onto oh. the manager. Like, if the manager has a concept, uh, had the thinking that, you know, I'm only here for six months. What do you want me to do? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. a very he, good he point. He said that. He said that in an interview. He said that I don't have enough time to do it, especially against the Wolves loss and everything. So, um, we we uh, we really know that a couple but... of issues. Okay, I guess uh, that's enough talking about United's problems. <laughs> I enjoyed the discussion, Adun. <laughs> Moving on to Liverpool now. Um, in November, Liverpool were four points off Chelsea to a drop spot. And uh, right now, Liverpool are in third spot with who are, and they are 11 points off Man City, although they have a game in hand. So uh, what are your thoughts? Has the form dropped? Uh, Man City has just picked up the pace. Uh, do you think Liverpool are still title challengers? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, I think there are different factors like, like what you mentioned. You know, the form has dropped off and also, actually before the season, I really expected Liverpool not to challenge for a title this season because of the AFCON, the, 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 the African Cup of Nations games where we will lose money, Salah and Nabi Keita. Maybe Keita is not so much of a, of a, of a, of a drop in terms of standard, but then without money and Salah, we are, we are, we are basically down to Firmino, Jota, and probably Devo or Rigi as our <laughs> country. Yeah, so so there's a big drop in terms of standards, you see. So yeah, and then you know, like like what I said earlier, you know, we we cannot afford to have uh what what City do, you know, they have a hundred million players on the bench, they have a fifty million left back on the, in jail, and yet they they can still win every match. <laughs> 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 so, uh, let, so, let me get this right. Do you think uh, one of the biggest problems is that Liverpool don't have a good enough squad compared to Man City? Yes, yes, of course. Uh, uh, the think squad depth is a problem, of course, for 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 Liverpool. Um, there, there's not enough rotation, I feel. Yeah. So and also, probably financial wise, they cannot compete with Manchester City. That's why. That's why, in terms of the purchasing of players, they are much more reserved or restricted. As compared to City, yeah. Inter- interesting point. I think one of the, uh, I mean, I mean, moving, uh, going on from your point as well. I think uh, Liverpool are more traditional squad where their first team is clearly defined. Like they are way better than the subs. Uh, you take out Salah and money, there's no one that can replace them at the club. But that's not the case with Man City. Uh, if you take out Mares, you can put in Bernardo Silva there. You take out uh, Jesus, you can put in Sterling there. Literally, almost every player is interchangeable in that team. Maybe except Rodri and maybe except Edison as well. Well, what are your thoughts on this today? Um, yeah, you've made a good point. Man City is a machine and Liverpool is just a human being. It's, this is why Man, Man City will be able to wrap up the title in the next few days or in a, right, a few months before the title's over. Like, yeah, that's I totally understand with you. Like, Man City is able to do that. Liverpool can't do that. But why didn't Liverpool get a, a replacement player knowing that this was going to happen? Did they not know that FCON was going to happen? Did they, did Jurgen Klopp not see any players? Because they did spend 30 million on Konate, if I'm not mistaken. 
yeah. they still have the money. They did. I mean, yeah, they needed a centre back, but of course, they also needed somebody in forward to, you know, understudy Salah money. Like one of them are going to leave Liverpool in the next one to two seasons. Uh, I um, think. So, I think to be fair, they had Harvey Elliott before his uh, uh long term injury. Yeah. True, true. I guess that's a good point. But they had the money. Hopefully, they spend it on someone in this January transfer window window for them to actually do that. It's not like you know, Man City created a space. Of course, they, they Man City are financially superior than Liverpool. I agree with that. But Liverpool, I'm sure, has some money. The fact that they won the Champions League two seasons back, the fact that they won the Premier League, the fact that they're still in the top all lot, they, they have some money that I think they can spend on a striker, bigger striker, someone like Oli Watkins from Aston Villa. He's He seems like a nice guy <laughs> who doesn't mind playing second fiddle. True. Hey, Rude, you raised a good point there uh, regarding, regarding, you know, why, why didn't Liverpool, you know, foresee this kind of uh, circumstances coming up? Uh, definitely, FCON is not City's fault, you know? You know, uh, and then Jurgen Klopp yeah. must have known already, you know, from the start that uh, money yeah. he's gonna lose money, Salah and Keita in January. So and then, but but then, but yeah. back in August, he was very confident that you know he has enough in his squad to replace them throughout the January, uh, throughout the January period where he'll 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 be without the the three of them. So we shall see, we shall see if you know eventually, um, we we do lose points throughout this period. Then of course you know I feel Jurgen Klopp is the one to blame for not preparing uh for not yes. preparing sufficiently la. exactly and also that's why I think I think recently exactly. uh Liverpool is playing with uh Porto winger Luis Diaz I don't know whether you also saw the rumors before uh mm-hmm. recently yeah Liverpool is recently ringling with uh Porto's uh I think it's a left winger Luis Diaz so we shall see where that one goes la. oh interesting and uh I mean earlier we were talking about Konate as well. Uh, so I wanted to ask yourself, Stephen, at this moment in time, do you think Konate Van Dyke is the best partnership? Given Van Dyke has no. not been at his no. best as well. Yeah. No? So uh, the best partnership. Okay, I still feel uh, Van Dyke. Van Van Dyke hasn't did ha, uh, has not done like too many mistakes that make me feel that he should be dropped. So so far that like, he's still my first choice, you know, centre back. And but I still feel that the Van Dyke Matip partnership is still the best for now. La. I see. You wouldn't yeah. like to try out Matip Konate? Uh nah, I still feel that we need the Van Dyke leadership back there. Yeah. Okay, interesting. I think um, I think they did once. If not mistaken, Van Dyke's injured or something like that. Was it COVID? Yeah, I, don't know. I think they did do they that did once. once. But I don't oh, know what it's what was the outcome? Benite was down with COVID that. recently, isn't it? Benite was down with COVID recently. Oh, most probably. Most probably. Yeah, okay. All most right. Moving on to there. our Champions League winner, um, Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea recently also hit a rough patch. You know, they lost a lot. Uh, they, you know, they lost a lot of points in the Premier League title race. Uh, and now, you know, and also the Lukaku incident came out, out of the blue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chelsea is interesting because, uh, sorry, I mean, uh, they were leading the table in November, uh, four points ahead of Liverpool, and they only had two draws and one loss, and now they have seven draws and two losses. So yeah, they have hit quite a rough patch, and uh, like you mentioned about Romelu Lukaku as well, uh, it seems that 
with without him in the team, uh, they initially they looked like they were doing well, but they started to drop points. Yeah. Of course, Kante's injury I think contributed to that as well. So, I mean, do you think Lukaku and Kante are the two most biggest misses for Chelsea? No, is this I question for me? Anyone of you? Go ahead, Steven. Oh, no, okay. Uh, I actually disagree because I feel that when Lukaku was injured, they actually played, played quite well, uh, Chelsea. And, uh, yeah, Kante is still the most important player for them in the in the CDM position. I feel he played him and Kovacic, you know, basically dominated the Liverpool midfield in the 2-2 draw last week. Yeah, so Kante, I feel Kante is the most important player. I feel Thiago Silva with experience is also very quite important for Chelsea. And as a back there, you know, um, they found a very good keeper, Edward Mendy, you know. He repl- ever since he replaced Kepa Ariza Blaga, I think he, he, he transformed Chelsea, you know, to become a, a title contender. contender. Previously, with Kepa, I think they were still, you know, with a, with a few mistakes here and there, they were dropping more, more, uh, more points in the, in, the, in the title race. But then now, uh, yeah, with Mendy there, oh, all the... All the you know superb save that he he has saved Chelsea from, you know he he can he can win the title if they they go on on the on a good form. You see, Uday, what are your thoughts on Chelsea? I think Steven is hurt. I think Steven is hurt because of Mendy's saves against Liverpool. That's why he keeps on saying how great Mendy is. The number of saves he did against Liverpool. Am I right, Steven? Yes. <laughs> it's a two-two draw. Anyways, what a game that was. Um, what what are my thoughts are on Chelsea? Um, Arjun brought up a good point. Kante's injury happened around that same period in which uh, Chelsea hit a bad form and um, they weren't able... Not only that, they had a few other players injured or kept on getting injured and coming back. Uh, was it Mount as well that was in and out of the team uh, after the Norwich game where he, they completely destroyed Norwich and then Mount was in and out of the team as well because of injury, because of COVID. Um, there were a number of them that were hit. I think even Chelsea's team also was hit badly with the COVID, COVID situation. And it's all of that that uh, affected Chelsea moving forward. Um, I think the way Tuchel's utilizing Lukaku as a target man is not the best uh, method of using Lukaku. We should look at his recent performances against Belgium or how he was used in Inter as well where he was able to roam around and be given space. He was great. He was more like a creative midfielder, but a really giant creative midfielder, which we really see a lot of creative midfielders. In. And, you know, he used to be able to bully players and whatnot and bring in other players as well. That's one of Lukaku's greatest strengths. Putting him as a target man is not the best thing uh, that Chelsea is doing right now. So he is crucial, but the way you use him, is what Chelsea has been doing badly right now, which is what led to the form bad form in which they are playing. Okay, all right. Um, moving on to our last team for today, City. I mean, like City has been a machine since November. I still remember they 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 were quite they they were quite slow to pick up at the start of the season. That's why Chelsea was ahead, Liverpool was second, and City was quite far back. And similar to last season, you know, they, they start to pick up the pace in the middle of the season. You know, they, they seem to have the squad depth to, to challenge when other, other teams start to, you know, 
uh, deal with fatigue with COVID, and and yeah, they 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 seem like a relentless machine, and nothing can seem to stop uh to to slow them down. Even even last week when they play with against Arsenal, even though Arsenal took the lead, but then you know through through a, a dubious penalty and a last minute winner by Rodri, you know suddenly they can you know they grind out the win. I do know what are thoughts on uh, your uh, your next door neighbor Manchester City. Uh, yeah, they do seem like the team to beat in the Premier League right now. Uh, you, you're absolutely right, they're a relentless machine. They have a set way of playing that's been ingrained in the team. Since Pep Guardiola has been there for a number of years now, uh, they know exactly what they're going to do, how they're going to play. Whoever who comes in, uh, that's exactly what they know, what their exact role is. So I think it's really hard to stop them because, like you mentioned, they have the best squad depth in the Premier League as well. Um, best, uh, one of the best managers in the world. The only thing that's missing for them is the Champions League, and it remains to be seen whether they can um, get that. But yeah, in the Premier League, I think currently they are pretty unstoppable. Hi, yeah, I just want to really chip well. in yeah. and uh, actually talk about the match between uh, the City and Arsenal. That was actually a really fun game. Um, I don't know about you all. Uh, I thought all teams should actually model what Arsenal did, try to press Man City, hurt them at the core. And of course, Man City will have luck in this kind of games, but not all games. And if teams actually do what Arsenal do, then there is a chance. Of course, not all teams have Arteta as their manager, who is who was tutored by Pep Guardiola and uh, been trying to implement his philosophy in Arsenal as well. Um, yeah, Man City is a machine. Like, <laughs> there's nothing else to say except how great they are. And oh yeah, jo- I, I, every time we talk about Man City, I can't not mention how great Cancelo is. Jao Cancelo, the current best uh, fullback in the Premier League right now. Uh, slightly ahead of trend, unfortunately. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree completely yeah. agree with the Ude sentiment because I think he can play yeah, right back, left back. Uh, one thing that Trent has ahead of Cancelo though is uh, the system because I think Man City plays in a system that's very comfortable in possession. Uh, rarely they are caught out, so to say. Uh, whereas Liverpool plays a very high press, they're caught out very easily and Trent has to defend against that, which is probably a bit harder. But other than that, uh, I think Cancelo is playing just a little bit better than Trent. Mm, nice. And then um, I think this is a quick brief mention about Arsenal and how initially in November, they were somewhere in the middle, if I'm not mistaken, or 7th or 8th. And they have leapfrog Manchester United to the fourth place. Good job unto them. Um, I think what they did with uh, Obama Yang of dropping him with regards to his disciplinary problems, putting Lacazette, uh, somehow being able to increase Saka's motivation in the game, uh, having players like Emil Smith-Rowe coming off the bench and scoring, Martin Odegaard seems fantastic right now. Like He's like another Ozil-type play- player that they sold Ozil and they got him as well. So Arsenal's doing really well. Uh, Ramsdale seems pretty alright still. Um, hopefully it gets figured out eventually. Um, so Arsenal's doing really well. I don't know about you guys. What do you think? 
Yeah, I, I'm very impressed with their improvement since, uh, you know, I still remember they had a three straight losses at the start of the season and they're actually bottom of the table, you know, in the relegation zone. So the fight back was very good, I feel. Uh, um, and even even though they lost Aubameyang, you know, uh, the captain, you know, they still managed to climb the table and still managed to win game. Actually, they, I, I feel the, the, the performance against City was very, very good. You know, they pushed City to the end until... Probably okay. they they lost their head a little bit when they lost Gabriel and then they went down to ten men, and then from then on it's uh, purely to see whether Arsenal can hold on for for that one point. Yeah. Arjun, any last words on Arsenal? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So very impressive, uh, bold bold by Arteta to drop their captain, and uh, after uh, for disciplinary issues and yeah they look like a very exciting young team. Played really well against Man City. Probably gave a, a lesson to other teams on how to play against Man City. Uh, yeah. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. All, all their key players are performing at the right time. Yeah. All right. You know, it just makes you think, what if Manchester United drops Ronaldo? What if? <laughs> Can we play better than Arsenal? <laughs> hey, yeah, they, they might, they might, you know. They might. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because last season, um, you know, without Ronaldo, I feel yeah. I feel Emil played better last season with Bruno as a lead. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So it makes you think about that. And um, if Ragnik has the uh, bravery balls. to do that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, balls. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say balls, but then I was like, we got to keep it family friendly. But I'm like the first person to curse it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, um, nice before way. we go, uh, so yeah. just a quick, yeah, so I have a quick last few words that I wanted to um say at this end of this podcast. Uh, there was this very influential person, um, for at least me and a couple of Malaysian people who listen, watch football and everything. His name, there was this person's name is called Ross Yusuf. Um, he was the host of the BFM radio show, football show, and initially when he started, he was also part of Astro's team with regards to the commentary, and he was very influential in the football scene in Malaysia, and sometime last month in the middle, somewhere around the 13th or 14th of December, he had a heart attack, and uh, he unfortunately passed away, and I just wanted to give him a shout out and hope he's doing find up there and rest in peace because uh, he's one of the reasons why I got into this podcast with you guys. I listened to him when I was younger, like I think around 18, 19 or whatever. I can't really remember which age I started, but he was very influential. He even had time to review our podcast and gave some pointers yeah. for me, Arjun and Steven. Yes. So, yeah. It's, the pointers that we receive are from him, right? Yes. Exactly, exactly. So he's such a nice character. I even met him once at a, when DFM had a party way back then. Such a nice down-to-earth person. So hopefully he's doing well up there. Rest in peace. And yeah, this is the little tribute that I had to him just to mention him out. Right, very nice, very nice. All right, uh, listeners, if you have any comment, Thanks. please do leave a DM on our Instagram. Once again, this podcast is brought to you by Mr. Boy SG and Sasha Bakery. We'll see you again next time. In the meantime, stay safe and bye-bye.